We've got Elon Omar coming up, Trump DeSantis coming up, the anti-Semitic New York State Regents exam. All of that coming up. But first, Bernie Sanders held an event in which he bashed capitalism. Bernie Sanders bashing capitalism as he liked to do. Sanders sold tickets for this event at $95 a piece. The topic, I mean, he took full advantage of the capitalism, which he so despises. The topic was, it's okay to be angry about capitalism. And Bernie charged $95 a ticket. I mean, you cannot make this stuff up. So, so literally people are paying $95 to hear him speak against capitalism, yet he's taking full advantage of the power of capitalism. Why didn't he get, why didn't Bernie just give it out for free? Why not, why didn't Bernie do what he does with my tax dollars and just give it to people for free and your tax dollars? Why is he charging $95 a person so he could talk about how terrible capitalism is? And, and look, yeah, give him a little bit of a break because $95, that's about the cost of a dozen eggs these days. Uh, so it's, it's not nearly as much as, as it sounds like. It's just unbelievable. So President Trump ripped into Ron DeSantis. And I know that a lot of people are upset. A lot of people feel like Trump should not be attacking DeSantis. They should, they, they should both be, uh, sort of friendly with each other and be positive about each other. And look, this is Trump being Trump. So anybody who's surprised by this, I don't understand how you could be surprised by anything Trump does. Anything. I mean, if Trump shot somebody, I'm not sure if I'd be surprised because that, and, and that, and that's not a knock on Trump. He does the unexpected thing by definition. That's always how he operates is if it's like expected, like, you know, even even the nasty tweets at a certain point that became predictable. So then he moves on to like other things. But uh, here's what Trump said. And, and DeSantis, look, get ready because it's a primary battle and it's going to get ugly at times. And you're going to have Republicans bashing other Republicans. But then usually what happens is yeah, they all come to an agreement and they all unite, you know, once there's a candidate who's accepted, by the way, and that did not happen with Trump in 2016. And he still managed to win despite not having the support of certain other Republicans who, who you know, who were very immature in my opinion and uh, took it very personally and were personally annoyed at Trump and did what was actually hurtful to the party. Uh, but that's how it goes. But it's, here's what Trump said. And, and DeSantis, I want to point out, this could benefit DeSantis. Those of you who like Ron DeSantis, I'm a big fan. I look, I, I'll take any of these Republicans. I'll take Nikki Haley, who she's going to be announcing her candidacy. Yeah, I, I'll take Ted Cruz. I'll take Marco Rubio. I'll take Mike Pence. I'll take any of them. They're all so much better than anybody on the Democrat side. But but DeSantis could use this to his advantage because if he plays the victim, that's what Trump does. Trump plays the victim. He plays the underdog card. And he is because he's always getting crushed by the establishment. Well, if DeSantis becomes the guy who's always getting crushed by Trump in a way that actually benefits him, here's what Trump said. Trump said that there are Republican governors that did not close their states. Florida was closed for a long period of time, basically insinuating DeSantis is trying to frame himself as the anti-lockdown governor, as the governor who resisted the Fauci and all the COVID policies and the vaccine mandates and everything else. And to a large degree, DeSantis gets that credit, but Trump's point, and I think that Trump Trump said they're trying to rewrite history. I think he's right. You know, I, I think that, you know, Florida was not the first state to reopen. You know, F- Florida was not, uh, what you know, what's her name? Kirstie Noem of, uh, of where? South Dakota. So he, he, he Trump has a point there, but yeah, DeSantis was way better on COVID, obviously, than the Democrat governors. And he also said, Trump actually said that it's disloyal of Santos to run. Since Trump basically made DeSantis what he is, it's disloyal of uh, of DeSantis now to run against Trump. Obviously, that's absurd. DeSantis can do whatever he wants. That's called politics. But but Trump can say whatever he wants. And look, we could debate, is it good or is it bad for Trump to do this? Does it help him or hurt him? 
I have no idea. Trump seems to manage to always stay in the headlines. He seems to always manage to be the center of attraction, whether it's for positive or for negative reasons. There is a concept of there's no such thing as bad publicity. I'm not saying I would do what Trump is doing, but is it going to help him or hurt him politically? He seems to have a pretty good handle you know, on how to – like he's polling – DeSantis is polling – is nowhere near Trump. Trump is eclipsing DeSantis, eclipsing DeSantis in the polls. Trump is literally, we told you this last time, beating all the other Republican candidates combined right now. So before I criticize him, keep that in mind. Now, uh, uh, you have to understand, this is Trump being Trump. Anybody who says, look, you say, I disagree with Trump. I don't like this. He should not be hurting somebody like DeSantis, who's a Republican hero. I have no problem with that opinion. But to tell me, you're surprised. How is anybody surprised by anything? This is what Trump does. He always does the unpredictable thing. He I, I, Nothing that he does that he could ever do would ever surprise me because this that's exactly his whole strategy is to do the thing that people least expect. And then there's shock and there's outrage and whatever and, and get a response and stay in the literally uh, in the in, in the headlines every single day of the week, basically, and always be the center of attention. That, that's what, that's how he's operated for a lot of years. But, you know, now it's on a national scale or global scale, thanks to him being a former president. So I don't see how any anybody could say, oh, I'm shocked. I'm surprised. I think that's just fake. I don't think anybody's shocked by anything. They're just pretending to be shocked. Uh, now, all right, we I do want to just follow up on this man who was falsely accused by the New York, uh, falsely, falsely accused of basically trying to kidnap a child from a shul uh, in Brooklyn. And what's really – and, and, and the whole thing has been debunked. I mean he did not try to do any such thing. He never tried to abduct. He never did anything even you know remotely suspicious. And the video basically confirms that, and he's been totally exonerated. I, he's not been exonerated by the DA. I think he will be, but the DA, there are still charges pending, which is – inexplicable to me. But I want to bring out a different point, which is that the New York Post and uh, other media outlets, NBC and other media outlets, or at least Channel 4, NBC, local in New York, they still have the story up. They literally still have. There is a picture of this man. The, the, The point is that the media still is accusing this man of attempted kidnapping, even though it's we all know that it's a baseless story and anybody involved. And we're so close to this story. We know it's it's baseless. It was a complete misunderstanding. Again, not necessarily blaming a, a mother who was afraid, who accused uh, her child, uh, accused this man of trying to take her child and called the, the police or Shimer who called the police, etc. But now that we know the truth, it turns out the whole thing was completely fabricated. And what's extremely disturbing and outrageous is it's still all over the media. So they haven't retracted. They haven't taken the story down. They have not apologized. I hope he sues. I hope he makes millions of dollars. New York Post, the picture is up. The the the, the uh, His name is out there. These other news, local New York news websites, the picture is up. The name is out there. And more than that, there are literally lies told in the story that that are contradicted, that are disproven, that are debunked by the uh, video. So the fact that he grabbed the boy by the shoulders never happened. That 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 false accusation, the false accusation that he actually made it to the front door, that the mother ripped the boy out of his arms, that he went to a nearby yeshiva and and hid from the police. All of that is literally false, fake, made up. And that the, 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 that's obviously very, very, very disturbing and upsetting. But even more than that, it shows us a lesson here. Uh, and I don't mean more that worse or better, but th- there's a very crucial lesson here, which is we already know how fake the fake news media is. The New York Post, they're po- politically speaking, they're they're conservative and you know they're they're very pro Republican most of the time. 
and uh, and even they. So you know, so they have. My point is, they have more legit and authentic news. They're less fake news than than CNN and then the New York Times. And yet, even they are being just vicious here and being just just totally disgraceful in the way that they're <clears throat> uh, you know still reporting a, a fake story. So. This shows us that you can never rely on the media. The media, it's just full of lies. The, the, the once or twice we actually are, are connected to a story and know the details ourselves, independent of the media, you see how they get the story wrong. So you think that's just a coincidence? Those are the only times. That, that means that you can never rely on the media. We know you can never rely on the media, but like this is a really, you know, very powerful lesson to that effect. All right. So Elon Omar, Elon Omar, the, the Republicans have voted to strip her of her committee assignments, the House Foreign Affairs Committee. I mean, Elon Omar, you know, we could literally write a book on all the anti-Semitic things that she said. Of course, now the Democrats, the left, they're trying to spin this as targeting her because she's Muslim, targeting her because she's a woman, targeting her because of her of her race, because of her skin color. It's all nonsense. It, it, it is it, it's egregious that they're trying to push this narrative and the media, of course, is loving it. The media is adopting this narrative as well. Uh, there are lots of minorities in the House. There are lots of there are Muslim Congress people in the House. They didn't they didn't uh, remove uh, Rashida Tlaib from her committee assignments. They probably should, by the way, because you know because she's also she also says things that are anti-Israel and anti-Semitic. And I want to be clear: you'll say, "Well, anti-Israel, can't you disagree with Israel?" It's anti-Semitism cloaked in anti-Israel rhetoric, and we've gone through this so many times, but they literally revise the history. They act as though, uh, you know, when, when Palestinian terrorists are taken down by Israeli soldiers, the media and the Democrats and, you know, these these leftists and the members of the squad, they make it as though they literally equate it. it, it it's like a massacre that happens uh, by terrorists in Israel is equivalent to the Israelis going into Jenin, going into these these, these terror towns and, uh, and and taking out these terrorists, taking out these monsters, taking out members of, of Hamas and and Islamic Jihad. And, 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 and it's all about – they're literally – they accuse Israel of being racist. They, they accuse Israel of the most vicious, heinous things and – and then they absolve the, the Palestinian terrorists and their pay-to-slay program and the fact that the United States tax dollars are going to fund Palestinian terror. So it, they're evil. They're pure evil. It is, this has nothing to do you – know, Israel is just – for them, Israel is just a, what they predicated on. Israel is just a pretext for them because all they're trying to do, the BDS move and everything else, they are just, they're just trying to blame the Jews, target the Jews. Omar said it's all about the Benjamins. You know, she, accused Israel, she accused Israel of being racist, of being an apartheid state. She equated what Israel does and what the United States does to Hamas and the Taliban. So, uh, Ilan Omar literally did that in a tweet. And and then, of course, on CNN, she she says, oh, well, I was not aware that there was an anti-Semitic trope about uh, Jews and money. She was not aware. No, for, forgetting the fact, putting aside the fact that they kept telling her, well, what you're doing is anti-Semitic. Oh, really? I had no idea. And then she apologizes, a phony apology, and then she does it again. Then she goes and says similar things again, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. And, well, how many times can you use the excuse? Well, I didn't know. I was not aware. Like at a certain point, like you lose, you lose that excuse. Now, and and just so you understand, the AP, the AP, literally, their reporting is so egregious here. I want to read you a quote here from an AP story. Um, the Republicans have unified against Omar, who has apologized for comments that she has said she came to understand were viewed as anti-Semitic. That's the AP. She, Omar has apologized for comments that she has said she came to understand were viewed as anti-Semitic. So now that's the spin that they're going with is, 
Well, she she apologized for comments that later they told her. She didn't know. She was innocently just saying support for Israel is all about the Benjamins. But then they explained to her, well, there's an old anti-Semitic trope. I mean, it's unbelievable. And, and, and this is how the AP reports it. And then she does it again and again and uses the same excuse. Uh, now, there were so, – and remember, you know, the, the, those people who are saying, oh, well, this is just – this is revenge. Kevin McCarthy, this is revenge against the Democrats because the Democrats kicked Marjorie Taylor Greene off of, uh, off of committees uh, when Nancy Pelosi was in charge, when the Democrats were in power. And remember, Steve King was uh, kicked off. He, he made comments that were innocuous compared to – he's a Republican, made comments that were innocuous compared to – Ilan Omar, this is not and, – and she had no business being on the Foreign Relations Committee, somebody who's so, so anti-Semitic, so anti-Israel and anti-the U.S. She, she hates – she has disdain for the country that she's supposed to be representing over here. Um, so uh, th- this has nothing to do with her race or being a Muslim. It has nothing to do with any of that. It is very clear and it was well-deserved. Um, all right. What else is going on? Well, we now know that we're going to get to the regents coming up here. The the, the New York State Regents exam literally uh, asked two questions, showed a map of Israel, and then asked two questions regarding the map of Israel that were just anti, literally anti-Semitic, literally anti-Semitic rhetoric on the New York State Regents. Not the first time. The Regents is woke. The New York, the New York State Board of Regents is woke. The New York State Education Department is woke. And uh, we're going to get to that coming up. The National Archives was told not to publicize the fact and not to publish the fact that Joe Biden was in possession of classified documents. This is this happened many weeks ago. It, it appears that there was a cover up. We don't know who ordered the National Archives not to publish the Biden classified documents. They did do that with Trump. The National Archives put Trump's classified documents all over their website, but they did not do the same thing for Biden. Gee, isn't that strange? And they actually said, they said, well, yeah, we were ordered not to do it. Who ordered them not to do it? They won't say. But I have my suspicions. So this is only going from bad to worse for Biden. They said they were given an order. Um, Remember, the National Archives, they literally published um, photos of Trump's classified documents. You had piles and piles of classified documents. The National Archives website was filled with press releases and, and literally photos of the Trump documents, and yet nothing about Biden. So now you have James Comer, James Comer, who he's doing a, you know, he's really been very, very strong, outspoken against this whole Biden scandal, what we call Garage Gate. James Comer, chairman of the Republican Oversight Committee, he was on Sean Hannity this week. He said, quote, if you go on the National Archives website, there's pages and pages of press releases, information about the FBI's raid in Mar-a-Lago and Trump's possession of classified documents, but there's nothing on the website about Joe Biden, there wasn't any press release, nothing on the website. This is, again, the oversight chairman. He said, quote, so he asked the general counsel, uh, why were there no press releases sent on Joe Biden once it was determined he had classified documents in his possession? The counsel said he did do press releases but was ordered that they could not be published. Uh, and, and we asked who gave him the order, and he said, well, I'm not able to tell you that. So they literally asked the National Archives. The National Archives uh, general counsel said, oh, yeah, we actually – we put together press releases. We were going to do the same thing, the same press releases that we had for Trump. We were going to do that for Biden, but we were ordered not to. Well, who ordered you not to do it? Well, I have news for you. It wasn't, wasn't Trump that ordered him not to do it, okay? So now we have evidence of a cover-up. Where's the media on this? Of course, they're completely – burying this story. But uh, evidence of a cover-up, yes, evidence that the Biden administration, we don't know who gave the order, but now we know that the National Archives was ordered, don't publish anything about the Biden classified documents. So the transparent Biden administration, the Biden administration that's so cooperative 
And, you know, they have nothing to hide. I mean, all that's seeping out is more and more co- evidence of a cover up. They, they kept hiding things. They kept, they, they, you know, they kept, uh, the, 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 their discovery of classified documents private and hidden, not just from the public, but from the DOJ for many weeks and months. And, and they kept, and they keep finding more documents. I mean, documents just keep, I'm, I'm waiting to like go into my garage and like find Biden classified documents because he seems to have gotten them just everywhere. All right, the New York State Regents exam. Last week, the New York State Regents exam, this is the Global Studies Regents exam, contained literally anti-Semitic questions. You now have Republican congressman Mike Lawler, who's in Rockland County, covers you know Muncie and other areas in, in, in Rockland County, very Jewish areas, and a bunch of other Republican, at least Stefanik, a bunch of other Republican Congress people. They sent a letter. When's the last time this ever happened where you have members of Congress sending a letter to Governor Kathy Hochul of New York and to Betty Rosa, Who's the disgraceful head of the of, of the state education department in New York? The, the person who's been targeting yeshivas for years and imposing restrictions on, on, on yeshiva secular education guidelines and all of that. So they sent a letter to them demanding an immediate investigation, and and, and the letter is very sharply worded. It's a scathing letter, you know, where they basically said it's it's inexplicable. There's no explanation. It's it's un it's it's, it's inexcusable and unthinkable how they could allow these questions to be asked on a statewide regents exam. And what they're doing is they're indoctrinating children. And this is no surprise, right? This happens on the college level. But now we see that even New York State, the the, the, own, the New York State Education Department, the regents, the regents exam, brainwashing and indoctrinated kids to be anti-Jewish, anti-Israel. And it's just, it's unconscionable here. So let me read, let me tell you here, let me describe this a little bit. The, the global studies regions, it showed a map that was essentially biased against Israel and two questions which were distorting the history, essentially making it seem like the Jews have no right to Israel. And this is, by the way, this is classic, classic anti-Semitic rhetoric over the past decades. The Jews have no right to Israel and it was as a result of the Holocaust that the Jews were given control of Israel. And the map made it as though Israel kept expanding because it implied that these that the that the Israelis keep annexing, keep annexing Arab territory and keep just grabbing and uh, grabbing Arab territory without any right to do so. Totally ignoring the fact that the Israelis keep expanding in self defense. The Israelis they get attacked. They, you know, they literally, the Arabs attacked the Israelis. This has happened again and again in history. Obviously, it happened in 67. It happened in 73, et cetera, where the Israelis are attacked. Then, by the way, they'll they'll fight back in self-defense and they'll win and then they'll give back the land. And then they get attacked again from the same places. And then at a certain point, they say, we can't keep giving you back this land because you keep attacking us. And, and of course, that's totally ignored. And they make it seem as though the Israelis are bullies and the Israelis are going and occupying the land. So that's what happened here. So um, let, let's see. The map showed Israel expanding post the Holocaust and essentially you know, made it seem as though the Israelis on their own are just deciding, all right, well, let's keep grabbing up more and more land. Uh, Dove Heikind uh, spoke out about this, blasted this regent, and he said basically you know, they're, they're reducing the creation of modern-day Israel to the Holocaust and saying it's all about that, basically implying that – the, the Jews have no right, no inherent right to Israel and history and, of course, the Torah, uh, you know, all, all of that. The fact that there is an inherent right to Eretz Yisrael uh, and, and the fact that historically, I mean, Netanyahu mentions this all the time, the, you know, the thousands of years of history of the Jews controlling Eretz Yisrael and Israel, like that is totally ignored. That's, that part is totally suppressed. 
And here, let me read you the two questions over here. One was, which historical event most directly influenced the development of the 1947 plan shown on Map A? There's a, there's a plan shown where uh, Israel is given the right to, uh, you know, the Jews are given the right to control part of Israel. And it says, which event um, most directly influenced? And the answer is the Holocaust. You know, one option is Russian pogroms. One option is Paris Peace Conference, whatever. But the answer is the Holocaust, implying well, the Holocaust is the reason that the Jews have Israel, which, of course, is classic anti-Semitic rhetoric. And then the next question is, which group benefited the most from the changes shown on these maps? And the answer is Zionists and Jewish immigrants. I mean, so it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, this is really, really bad. And uh, look, I mean, this is what the regions, this is what the New York State Education Department is all about. In addition, by the way, the test referred to Golan Heights as being annexed by Israel. The, the, the map says that Golan Heights was annexed by Israel. Of course, Trump, President Trump, recognized Israel's right to the Golan Heights in uh, 2019, and it's not annexed, it's not occupied. Israel has every right to it. Israel, uh, as I said, acquired the right because they were attacked repeatedly, and therefore, and they won, and therefore, eventually, they said, listen, we got to keep this land. We're sitting ducks. Um, and remember last year, Governor Hochul um, canceled a history regions or the regents board or whoever canceled the history regions because they didn't want to offend black people in Buffalo. Remember after the mass shooting in Buffalo and not look, not to diminish that, that was horrific. That was an unspeakable tragedy. But uh, then they said, all right, we're canceling the entire regions because there were like some questions on the regions that might be hurtful and offensive to people in Buffalo, to everyone in Buffalo, not just the people who are victims, but to everyone in Buffalo. Now, Here's my issue. I, to me, it makes no sense. But look, I don't know because there was obviously a trauma there. So you want to cancel it for Buffalo? You want to cancel it for certain groups? I don't know. I, I, it doesn't make sense to me. But like, I'll grant you that. Like, I'll, you know, like I'll defer that to to to, to the state. But the entire state, literally, you know, you know, you want to be sensitive. I think it's good to be sensitive to blacks, to victims of shootings, etc. I'm all for that. Compassion, sensitivity. But how does you make the whole state suffer? I mean, the, the, the education system, you're talking about children, you're talking about kids in high school, let alone they did this with COVID. But um, like you just throw the entire education system under the bus and throw tens of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of high school students under the bus, um, just ignoring their education. There's a reason that they give these tests. You have a woke agenda and, you know, you, you want to show that you're giving favoritism to minority groups. And who are you hurting? You're hurting all these kids who know, well, they don't have to take regions seriously or they, they could just skip a test and pass anyway and graduate anyway. And that's egregious. That, that's just totally inexcusable. Uh, there was an op-ed piece that uh, in Washington Examiner talking about how the real reason that they want to ban gas stoves has nothing to do with asthma, nothing to do with health. It's because of their environmental agenda, because they, they, they are targeting fossil fuels and, and they, they want to eradicate and eliminate um, natural gas. They want to eradicate and eliminate anything that creates fossil fuels. That, that you know, any traditional sources of energy. So it's all about the climate. It's all about the environment, and which is not about the environment, by the way. That that's just about controlling uh, society. And you know, they want they want electric. They don't want gas. That's something. That's a trend that's been going on for a long time. So uh, and Biden was serious. There's now evidence now, you know, now they're trying to say, oh, well, it was just a suggestion. We suggest things all the time. But like there's strong evidence that Biden, they were seriously considering banning gas stoves. There are a lot of cities, by the way, where they actually don't allow new development. They don't allow new buildings that are built um, to to have gas, to have gas powered stoves. They only they force them to only have electric powered stoves. But the point is that they were claiming that it had to do with asthma and with health. 
because supposedly these are unhealthy for certain people, gas-powered stoves. And we now know, I'll read you the, 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 where this comes from, the data, that that is not true, that that was made up, manufactured, and it's just all about their radical leftist agenda. So this was based on a study. This, this suggestion, recommendation that they ban gas stoves was based on a study, but the study was literally falsified. Here's the supposed health concern. Without getting too too much into the weeds here, um, nitrous oxide is emitted. When they have a gas flame uh, on a gas stove, nitrous oxide is, is, is emitted by the flame, and then that combines with oxygen in the air to form nitrogen dioxide. So that's a pollutant. So basically – these gas stoves emit a little bit of nitrous oxide, which turn into nitrogen dioxide, which is a pollutant. Yeah, here's your chemistry lesson for the day. But here's the problem. The amount of, nitri- of, of nitrogen dioxide generated by stoves is tiny. It's, a, it's several parts per billion, several parts per billion. So the study here, it measured the health effects of ni- nitrogen dioxide at 100 parts per billion in a kitchen, 100 parts per billion. Now, here's the thing, though, and and they found some kind of like minor, very, very minor um, effect on asthma and on respiratory health. But the problem is they can't get when they when they actually use a gas stove in a kitchen, it does not get to that level. So they were analyzing the health effects of 100 parts per billion of this nitrogen dioxide. But the problem is that they couldn't get if you when they tested kitchens with gas stoves, they couldn't get that many. The the um the average amount of nitrogen dioxide level in a kitchen after several hours after several hours of stove use is thirty four parts per billion thirty four parts per billion and yet when they did the measurements they measured it at a hundred parts per billion which is like almost three times as much how did they do that because they sealed the room in plastic what this is what they did is they took a gas stove they let it run for hours and they still couldn't get the amount of uh, uh, of nitrogen dioxide that has proven to be unhealthy and cause asthma and exacerbate asthma and respiratory problems, et cetera. So they sealed the room in plastic, and only after they sealed the room in plastic, then suddenly, oh, wait a second, guys, this is causing asthma. We have to ban gas stoves. Meanwhile, most studies do not find hazardous levels of nitrogen dioxide from stove use. This is all from the Washington Examiner. Let me read you an excerpt here. Quote, for more than a decade, environmentalists have promoted electrification of homes, but the renewable energy movement defined electrification to mean eliminating the use of carbon-based fuels such as natural gas. As they see it, electrification means replacement of gas stoves, furnaces, water heaters, and even propane grills with electric appliances. They say this is needed to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and solve human-caused climate change. Taylor Grunwald, lead author of the study on childhood asthma in the U.S., by the way, is employed by the Rocky Mountain Institute. They funded the study for three decades. That institute has worked on programs to counteract global warming. And uh, the this man who had this uh, one of the people who headed the study um, has written articles on methane emission from oil and gas wells, gas water heaters, gas stoves. His goal appears to be electrifying homes and claiming that falsely that there are harmful health effects from gas appliances. Again, if it bothers you, if there is a health issue, obviously you should very you know you should consider it. You should avoid them, but don't ban it for the entire country. Uh, an Iranian citizen on the FBI's terror watch list was arrested last week in Texas after a traffic stop involving a human smuggler at the border um, in Valverde County, Texas. So another Iranian terrorist uh, was apprehended at the border. This is what they're doing. The Iranian terrorists, Muslim terrorists, they are coming across the Mexican border into the United States because it's the easiest, fastest, smoothest way for them to come into the country without being detected. Yeah, they discovered this one at a random traffic stop. 
great, wonderful, that's comforting. But how many of them manage to sneak in and don't get stopped at traffic stops? That's really what's so horrific. Bibi Netanyahu, I want to get into this more hopefully, but Bibi Netanyahu uh, appeared on, uh, did an interview with Jake Tapper on CNN. And it got a lot of headlines, a lot of attention. Uh, but one thing, I, we'll have to go through it a little bit more maybe at some point. But one thing that I noticed is Bibi Netanyahu, he confirmed that Israel has recently taken out um, significant weapons facilities uh, on Iranian territory. Of course, we know about that failed attack, that failed drone attack. So essentially Netanyahu confirming that there was a drone attack against Iranian munitions and Iranian weapons. But I don't think that Netanyahu agrees with the Iranian version that it was a failed attack. And finally, billions of dollars worth of weapons, U.S. weapons, uh, are turning up in Kashmir. Kashmir is a haven, is a hotbed of terrorism, of al-Qaeda, the Taliban, and other terrorist groups. And now you have billions of dollars of U.S. weapons. Where did it come from? Well, it came, came from Afghanistan. Why were there billions of dollars of U.S. weapons left in Afghanistan? All right, that's because Biden pulled out and he left billions of dollars of weapons in Afghanistan, and no surprise, has gotten into the hands of terrorists. When Biden fled Afghanistan in 2021, remember that? That was just a total catastrophe. So they left behind billions of dollars in state-of-the-art military hardware, weapons, advanced systems. Now they're turning up in Kashmir, which is controlled by India, which has just literally, it's just literally a terrorism, a hotspot for terrorism. Um, so what happened was the Taliban, it seems that the Taliban did not have expertise in using the weapons. So they decided, no problem, you know, we'll just sell them to these terrorist groups. Basically, Pakistani terrorist groups are acting out of Kashmir, and that includes al-Qaeda. And by the way, those terrorist groups then supply weapons to Hamas, to the Yemeni Houthi forces, and to other terrorist groups. So, I mean, this is just a total disaster. Thank you. Yet yet another success story by the our, our, our just phenomenally successful President Joe Biden. That's going to do it for today. And we will see you next time.